What are my thoughts on the He Gets Us campaign? What about the Daily Wire and Crowder feud? And would I rather wear flip-flops on airplanes or only eat oatmeal for the rest of my life? Also, how can I be pro-death penalty for murderers and believe in the saving work of Jesus on the cross? Why are seed oils so bad? These are some of the many questions that I will be answering today on this episode of Relatable, which is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use promo code Allie at checkout. That's GoodRanchers.com. Promo code Allie. Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Thursday. So as you can see in here, I don't look and sound like I usually do. I'm not in my studio. I don't have my normal microphone. So you'll just have to bear with us. I am recovering from the flu. And thankfully, I am truly recovering. I still have kind of like a lingering cough going on. Uh, Yesterday, we were able to put up our interview that we recorded last week with Ginger Duggar Volo. Oh my gosh. You guys are absolutely loving that conversation. Go listen to that. Watch on YouTube if you haven't already. So good. I'm so thankful that she took the time to come on. Um, And thank all of you, by the way, who have been praying for me for the past couple of days. I've been posting on Instagram that I haven't felt well. And some of you have been like, wow, I feel like you've been sick a lot recently. And that is true. I have been sick a lot recently over the past few months. I used to pride myself on never getting sick, such a strong immune system. For some reason, over the past few months, like my family has just gotten like cold after cold, like I had a stomach bug, which wow, I don't think I've gotten in like years, probably since I was like in middle school or high school. Um, But I think that this is the first season, honestly, when so many things went back to normal, even though we lived our lives in a relatively normal way during COVID and all of that. Still, this fall was when things like really started getting back. Like I started traveling more, speaking more places, like my family and I, we went more places. Uh, also, I started like working out at like a public place and I, I didn't used to. My kids started going more places. So I think it's just being exposed to a lot more things and all of that. I'm not sure. But thankfully, all of these sicknesses have lasted only a couple days or so, but they have really taken me down for the count. I'm so thankful for all of you. And I'm also thankful for just like a flexible job that I get to do what I love to do what I'm enthusiastic about doing. But I also have the ability to move things around. So I'm not like tied to a desk for eight hours of the day. And I'm worried about like taking paid time off and things like that. So just thankful, thankful to the Lord for a lot of things, not least of which modern medicine. I just, I just want to say that. That's something I've been thinking about before we get into our Q&A. It's something I've been thinking about recently because there has been this cross-section that's grown over the past couple of years of like crunchy and conservative. And what I mean by crunchy is like non-traditional Western medicine and just ways of healing and living. So very natural. And I have like a lot of sympathy for that. I I would say I'm partly crunchy. Like I've got my Berkey water filter. There are things that I do that are on the more holistic side of things, but I would say I'm more like want to be crunchy than actual crunchy and holistic. But I have to say, like, I am so thankful to live in the time 
that we do when it comes to access to medication. Like I do think that something that I see in like the crunchy influencer world a lot is, well, we've started doing XYZ or taking this medicine, but you know, we didn't have that in the 1800s. Our ancestors didn't have that. Our ancestors had to do this and our ancestors were fine. But I think about all of our ancestors that were totally not fine that didn't have all of the medication that we have, that didn't have things like antibiotics, that didn't have things like access to hot running water constantly where they could just take a warm bath when they felt bad or they could just sit in the shower to try to get over their symptoms. I mean, so many different pieces of medicine and technology that I'm so thankful for today. I probably will never go like full on crunchy because I am too thankful for access to these kinds of modern wonders. Grocery stores, love them. Antibiotics, love them. Indoor plumbing, love it. So yeah, that's just something I've been thinking about over the past couple of days as I've had to take some medication to manage my symptoms and try to like to sleep well and all of that stuff. I wouldn't trade any of this for the holistic life of the 1800s. All right, let's get into some of the questions that you guys sent me on Instagram. Before we do, let me tell you about our first sponsor for the day, and that is Start Mail. So if you are tired of worrying about your personal data being at risk or that big tech is watching every move you make because they are, especially when you are emailing and they're mining all of that data and they're selling it to the highest bidder, and that's why you get that email service for free, because they are actually selling your information. They're making money off of you. You are the product. If you don't want to deal with that anymore, then you need to check out Startmail. Startmail's secure email service keeps your inbox safe from unwanted spying eyes. It protects you from spam. Every message can be encrypted or password protected. And when you delete an email, it's gone forever. With just a few clicks, you can easily switch from your existing email provider. Start taking advantage of Startmail's enhanced privacy protection. Sign up today to save 50% on your first subscription year. There's never been a better time to go to startmail.com slash Allie. Startmail with a T.com slash Allie for 50% off. Startmail.com slash Allie. Startmail.com slash Allie. Okay, we've got a variety of questions that we will be answering. Also, just just let me say, uh, you guys probably don't even notice things like this, but this just is a rule whenever we have. So typically we have like three to four ads that we read on the show. And we are very careful, by the way, in case you're ever wondering like how we pick our sponsors, like we are very thoughtful about the sponsors that we pick. I don't just read any sponsor. I only work with companies that I think have something to offer you that my specific audience will really like and will find um, value in. So anyway, we've got about three or four of those sponsors every episode. And it's always whenever we have like an hour and 15 minute long episode, it's like, oh, we only have three ads to read. But whenever we have a shorter episode, like today is going to be about 30 minutes, we have four ads to get in. I don't know why it just ends up happening like that. So I know it's a little bit difficult when you've got these shorter episodes and I've got to get a lot of ads in. It might feel like we're taking a lot of breaks. So just bear with us. But that's also how you are able to listen to this podcast for free um, is our wonderful sponsors that they are who make that possible for you. Just FYI. All right, let's get into some of these questions. Daily Wire and Crowder Drama. Now, I have publicly said 
that I am not going to wade into this conflict. I tweeted about this, that one of the best things that you can do for yourself, both personally and professionally, is to not involve yourself in conflicts that don't involve you. I'm talking about conflicts like this. I'm not talking about like standing in the stead of the most vulnerable when I'm talking about like standing against abortion and things like that. I'm not talking about like saving someone's life. Um, And I do think that there are situations where maybe someone has to wade into a conflict in order to try to actually bring peace to it or to try to bring clarity to onlookers or to the situation, whatever. I just don't think that is my particular role in this conflict. Do I have thoughts on the Crowder Daily Wire stuff? Of course I do. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can go back, you can listen to watch Crowder's video, and then you can watch Daily Wire's response to Crowder's video, and then you can watch Crowder's response to Daily Wire's video, and then you can watch Candace on Timcast, and then you can watch Crowder on Timcast. I have to say I have enjoyed, I have enjoyed watching all of it. And the reason that I've enjoyed watching all of it is because I've been in conservative media officially since, I guess, 2017. So I've seen a lot of these contracts. I... I know a lot of the people who are involved in this. I understand a lot of the conversations that go on behind the scenes, not just because of, you know, my own dealings and my own contract negotiations over the years, but also my friends in conservative media. We talk about these things. So it's all super interesting to me, probably even more so than it is to someone outside of conservative media, because like, this is my life. I, you know, there's not many things that I know the intricate details of, but like conservative media and contract negotiations, I at least know a segment of, of that pretty well. So anyway, all very fascinating to me. I have enjoyed following along, even though it's sad to see some kind of, you know, conflict like this between um, friends. But I just don't think that it is valuable to me to like insert myself into this at all or to even give my thoughts publicly. I have a ton of thoughts. My husband is the only one that knows all of my thoughts. I'll like watch the video. I'll pause it and I'll be like, but you remember XYZ? Oh my gosh. But what about this? So many different things. And there are some friends that I've talked to talk to about all of this who are in conservative media, but I just don't feel like there needs to be yet another voice who is, I don't know, I don't want to say stirring the pot because not everyone who is talking about it is necessarily stirring the pot. They're just sharing their thoughts and adding clarity. But for me, I feel like that's almost what I would be doing. And I just don't think I have that much to add publicly that's valuable. But I I got a lot of questions on Instagram about that. And so I just wanted to say that's like my non-response. Super interesting. We'll see how it plays out. Maybe I'll have something to say when it all kind of concludes. Um, But yeah, that's really the only thing that I'll share right now. All right. Some of you have been asking me, and I, I will have a more thorough response to this question at some point about, you've been asking me about the He Gets Us campaign, the He Gets Us campaign. Some of you have probably seen that. I have like, we had like a whole episode planned to do this, but I just need a, like a little more time to really solidify and research my biblically based answers when it comes to this. Um, but it is the, they're the commercials that you've probably seen. Maybe you've seen it in like a tweet on Twitter, or maybe you saw it. I think I saw it for the first time in like a Super Bowl commercial 
but it is um, basically saying, going through all of these descriptors of Jesus and saying that Jesus gets us. Like Jesus was an activist. Jesus was a refugee. Uh, Jesus did all of these things that you and I do. He gets us. I have had the heebie-jeebies about the He Gets Us campaign since the very beginning. And they were heebie-jeebies that I didn't want to have, honestly. Like when you see a commercial about Jesus, a positive commercial about Jesus, like, of course, as a Christian, I want to say, you know what, whatever it takes. Yes, if this, if this gets people to go to their local Bible teaching, gospel preaching church, then yeah, that's awesome. I wanted to be on board with it. I did not want to be a critic of it, but it just kept on making me uncomfortable. And the more that I thought about it, the more that I realized, and again, I will get into this more thoroughly in a future episode, probably even as soon as next week. Um, it is because it is so focused on making Jesus relatable that we lose who Jesus actually is. It really isn't about like these commercials aren't really about Jesus. Like they're really about us. They really don't center on who Jesus is, on what the amazingness of the gospel is, but really on who we are. And that's not the gospel. And maybe the argument is, well, that's where you have to start. You have to start with that. And you have to start with that relatability, that empath factor. And then you have to like work from there and hope that people will eventually get on board. I'm just not so sure that that method is reflected in scripture. And I don't know that Jesus getting us is the main message that I want to be driving home to unbelievers because that alone is not good news. So if I only have like a few seconds to capture an unbeliever's attention about the gospel and who Jesus is, I don't think I want my message to be that God relates to you. Well, there's, or that Jesus relates to you. He, yes, he is a high priest that sympathizes with our weaknesses, who was tempted in every way, but was without sin. But I don't think the main thrust, the main point of the gospel is that he can relate to everything that we've done and everything that we are. And also some of the descriptions aren't true. Jesus was not an activist. He was not. There is no scriptural references that back up this idea that Jesus was an activist. He absolutely was not an activist. And it's not even necessarily historically correct to say that he was a refugee. We've talked about that several times. And so I think that can also be what happens when we try to impose like our who we are and descriptors of ourselves or of human groups today on God to try to make him more relatable. We actually end up being unbiblical and being relatable to the point of being unbiblical means that you miss the good news and miss the gospel altogether. So again, I will get into that more thoroughly and more biblically going forward, but just my initial reaction not a huge fan if he gets us. Okay, before we get into the next question, let me tell you about our next sponsor for the day, and that is my Patriot Supply. So we don't know what the future is going to look like, especially with all these supply chain issues. Like it's hard to go to the grocery store and even find eggs. We don't know what's going to happen next. There are a million different excuses that our government gives us for why we can't buy the basic necessities in our life. So it's just better to be safe than sorry when it comes to your food supply. You should be 
getting an emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply. It's a three-month emergency food kit. You should buy one kit for everyone in your family. We are so thankful that we have our food supply, that we are just able to kind of tuck it away in our laundry room. I think it's in our laundry room or maybe the top shelf of our pantry. And we don't even have to think about it. And hopefully we'll never have to use it. But just knowing that it's there, one kit for every member of our family, just in case things really hit the fan, it just gives us a a sense of security. You can get it right now. Save $200 on each kit that you need. Go to mypatriotsupply.com right away. Get this discount. mypatriotsupply.com. Save $200 per kit. My patriotsupply.com. All right. Next question. Would you rather someone ask eat oatmeal for the rest of your life or only be able to wear flip-flops on planes? Um, well, I like oatmeal and I think that there are a variety of ways to eat oatmeal. I really don't like wearing flip-flops on planes. I would feel like a giant hypocrite for the rest of my life. And I would also feel bad because if you guys have been around for a long period of time or any period, you know that I have very strict airport attire rules. And one of them is that I don't believe that you should ever wear open toe shoes on an airplane. Many reasons, like when you're going through security, unless you have TSA pre-check, you got to take your shoes off. You don't want to walk barefoot through the airport. Also, I just don't think people in close quarters like airplanes need to see or smell your feet. And so I just think that, and also for emergencies, if you've got to run, like if you've got to run to your plane that's about to take off, then you need to wear closed toe shoes. You need to wear shoes that you can run in. Even like Birkenstocks are not really good for that. Although they pass my test, they're not really good for the emergent reasons or the emergent issues that could come up. Like you got to run to your flight or if a real emergency happens and you got to get off the plane, if there's like fire, the shoe protects, the tennis shoe protects your foot Um, all kinds of reasons to wear tennis shoes, closed toe shoes on planes. And so if I had to wear flip-flops on planes for the rest of my life, I would feel really sad about that. I would at least have to remind everyone who saw me that I lost a would you rather or something like that. And that would be the reason why. So I think I'm going to have to go with oatmeal because I don't want to be a giant hypocrite. You know what I'm saying? All right. Someone asked me um, about some pushback that I got on an episode on an interview that I did last week, I think it was, about shame. Um, Because I said that shame can be good. Shame can actually be productive. And I believe my guest, I think it was about porn, actually said, well, there's a difference between shame and godly grief. Shame is not good. Godly grief is good. And uh, the person on Instagram asked me, like, what do I think about that pushback and about that distinction? Personally, while I, you know, respect and honor my guest and I understand Um, what he was saying. And I'm not even sure he was necessarily pushing back. I think he was just, you know, making his own distinctions for people, which is totally fine. I personally think that that is a distinction that Christians make that is something that sounds good, but is not necessarily based on scripture. Like I do think that shame over sin is productive and I think it's good. And I think it's biblical. I don't think that we need to necessarily distinguish between 
godly grief and shame. I think that if you are a Christian and you sinned and you are ashamed of that sin, or if you're not a Christian and you're ashamed of that sin, the Holy Spirit convicted you of that sin and you repent all of that. Um, and then, you know, become a believer. I think that that shame is good. I don't think that shame is always from Satan. I think that shame can actually be a gracious gift of the Lord. And I don't think that there is this huge difference between, um, between shame and guilt, not that we see in scripture. And there are a few verses that I was looking at this morning as I was thinking about this question. And if you look at Romans 1, Romans 1, obviously describing just the upside downness of the sinful world. And one of the verses, verse 27 says this, and the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. So obviously the problem here was homosexual or homosexual behavior, but there was a shamelessness to what they were doing. They were not ashamed of their sin. They were proud of what they were doing. And what the scripture is saying is that there is shame associated with that. There is shame that is associated with sin, and yet they were committing these acts shamelessly, which just speaks to, especially in the context of this chapter, the callousness that was in their heart. First uh, Corinthians 15, 34, this is Paul speaking to the church in Corinth, wake up from your drunken stupor as is right and do not go on sinning for some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame, to your shame, not necessarily to your guilt, although I think that can be the same thing, but I'm saying he's not distinguishing there. He is actually now he's speaking to Christians. So in Romans, we were kind of talking about how non-Christians are shameless in their sin. And he is saying here in this context, and you can go read the whole chapter, first Corinthians 15, that he is saying, I say this to your shame. He's saying, I am ashaming you that some people are walking around without any knowledge of God. And he's saying that you share some responsibility in that. And so he's not afraid to use shame as a tool for other Christians. Ephesians 5.12, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret, talking about the, uh, talking about sinners, talking about the world, talking about the depraved and perverse acts that they do and the lives that they live. It is shameful to even speak of the things that they do in secret. Shameful. It is full of shame. We should have shame over sin. So we are actually seeing a trend throughout the New Testament and in the Old Testament too. Like if you look, especially in the book of um, in, in Psalms, like we see constantly prayers for God to shame the enemies and promises that God's people whom he will deliver will not be put to shame. So God does deliver us from shame. But really the theme that we see in shame in the Old and the New Testament is shame over sin. That is the right feeling that Christians should have. People who are called by God should have shame over their sin. I think shame is a very useful and gracious tool. Now, that doesn't mean that we constantly berate someone for their sin. Like we believe in grace and forgiveness and total redemption and reconciliation and restoration that God makes as a new creation and all of that. So we shouldn't feel shame all the time about everything. We are new creations if we are in Christ. But when we sin, we should be ashamed of that sin. That shame shouldn't put us into 
hiding. It should actually bring us to a place of conviction and accountability with other believers so that we will not go on sinning. But I do think shame, yes, can be helpful. And in a societal sense, shame can also be helpful too. Maybe not to the point of some like older uh, Asian cultures where people are literally like publicly shamed for doing something that is like, you know, not socially acceptable, but stigma has is something that has been hard won over many generations. There are stigmas that exist for a reason. Not all of them are justified, but some of them are. There should be shame around certain things like public nudity or public defecation or public drug use or, you know, kinds of um, like sexuality and uh, different kinds of lives that people lead that are not good for the individual, not good for society. There should be a level of shame and stigma around those things. This idea that everything is relative, that everyone should just go their own way and do their own thing. How's that working out for us? Not good. I'm not saying that we should have a shame fueled society, but shame is a or an, an, an important aspect to every healthy functioning society. All right, next question is about the death penalty, a question that I get a lot. How can you be pro-death penalty? Did Jesus not die for our sins? So um, I've done whole episodes on this. You can go back and listen to them if you want. Um, By this logic, Jesus died for our sins, so we shouldn't be pro-death penalty, which is what I think that you're saying. We shouldn't have any punishment for any crimes. There should be no punishment because Jesus died for our sins. So why should we have any laws? Why should there be any law enforcement? Uh, Jesus's death and resurrection does not take away earthly judgment. How do we know that? Well, we see that in Romans 13. You can read the whole chapter, but verse four speaks to this. But if you do wrong, be afraid for he, the government, does not bear the sword in vain for he is the servant of God an avenger who carries out wrath on the wrongdoer. So there's so much packed into that verse. If you do wrong, be afraid for the government does not bear the sword, the sword in vain for he is the servant of God an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. This is the New Testament. This is after the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. So just because Jesus died for our sins and just because we earn earthly or we earn, uh, or not we earn, but we have been given uh, salvation through him does not mean that we don't abide by laws here on this earth. Not all laws, any law that causes us to sin against God, we don't follow. But um, we do have to abide by the laws in our society handed down by the government. And the government has a role and responsibility as called by God to actually enforce that law, even to the point of bearing the sword, Romans 13 says. So God loves justice. He loves order. He loves these things because they are good for people. We are people made in God's image. God is a God of order. We thrive best with order. In order to have order, you have to enforce laws. You have to have rules. You have to have boundaries. You have to have restrictions that curb against man's evil. Genesis 9, 6, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man 
in his own image. So God actually here in Genesis 9, 6 demands the death penalty for murder. He doesn't just say it's a possibility. He demands the death penalty for murder. Why? For God made man in his own image. So the reason that God gives for the death penalty um, for murder is a reason that transcends time and culture that does not stop after Jesus died and uh, rose again, we are still made in God's image to this day. So the reason that God demands the death penalty for murder is because we are made in his image, because we are so precious, because we are so valuable that the only just punishment for purposely murdering an image bearer is killing the person who murdered him. That's how uh, that's how much worth we have. That's how much value we have. That's how serious it is to purposely kill another human being. There are lots of things that God demands the death penalty for in the Old Testament, uh, like being a false prophet or prostitution or rape. We are not ancient Israel here in America. We do not live in a theocracy, so we don't have to apply all of the the rules, the laws that ancient Israel abided by to America today, but we can look to God's laws as a standard and foundation of justice and realize there's no way for us to out-justice him. We can't out-compassion him. We can't out-love him. So if God demanded a certain penalty for something, we are not going to out-love or out-justice him by saying, oh no, like that's too much or that's too harsh. Um and so God demands the death penalty for a variety of crimes in the Old Testament. And of course, one of those is murder. And I think that we should be much more consistent on that in the United States because I believe in protecting innocent life. It's the same reason that I am anti-abortion, because I believe in the protection of vulnerable and innocent life. There can be a high standard, a high evidentiary standard for that. I think that there should be, of course, due process and all of that before any kind of conviction, but certainly before the death penalty. But the death penalty is absolutely just. All right. Let's see. One more question. This probably will be the last one. Let me tell you about our next sponsor, and that is Public SQ. So a lot of people complain about the state of our country, the state of the companies in our country that just don't seem to care about us. They take our money and they send it to causes, to politicians and to other organizations that we just don't like, that don't align with our values. It seems like all of these entities really hate us, but we don't have to be spending our money there. We can actually support businesses and services that align with our values. And that's why Public SQ exists. It has grown to be the largest platform of patriotic, freedom-loving businesses the world has ever seen all you have to do is go to publicsq.com. That's publicsq.com or download the app today. Simply create an account, begin your search. You can also list your business for free so your local community can support you. You can't always change the world, but we can change how and where we spend our hard-earned dollars and that can really make a difference. So begin your search at Public Square today. Go to publicsq.com, publicsq.com. Um, so let me answer this question about predestination. I might actually answer a couple more quick questions too. So someone asked me if I believe in predestination. And again, I have a whole episode on this. You can go back and listen to it. It's just titled predestination. If you're ever wondering, has Ellie ever talked about this? Just type in the subject that you're looking for 
plus relatable Ali Bastecki, wherever you listen to your podcast, it'll come up or the guest. I get emails, messages all the time. Why have you never had this person on? Just type in that person's name plus Ali Bastecki. I probably have. I've had a ton of people on at this point. So predestination. I do believe in predestination. And let me read you just a few, a few passages of many in scripture that support this belief. Ephesians 1, 4 through 5, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That's pretty clear that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Romans 8, 28 through 30. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and those whom he predestined he also called and those whom he called he also justified and those whom he justified he also glorified so those are just two of many passages that talk about god choosing his people um for himself even before creation and so god is all-knowing he is all-powerful so of course he chose us in him there is a mysterious aspect in there that John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. We also read that God wants no one to perish. And yet we also read in Romans 9 that he creates vessels of wrath and vessels of mercy. Um, so there is a there is a little bit of a mystery there that I'm not sure we finite humans will ever fully understand that, yes, he wants everyone to come to know him. Um, and yet he has chosen he has he has chosen his people he has chosen his flock before the foundations of the world in his sovereignty um there's comfort in that i know some people are scared by predestination but there's actually comfort in that that if you believe uh in christ if by grace through faith you have been saved um and you are in him then there's nothing that you can do to change that because you had no contribution to your salvation um, that was God and God alone. And so there's nothing that you can do to mess it up. That's what I believe. And there's a lot of comfort in that. There's a lot of security in that, that all glory and all praise goes to God for your salvation, not to us. Um, okay. A couple more questions. Would love to see you and Matt Walsh discuss theology ever considered. We've done that. You can go back and listen to that episode is from a couple years ago. Um, Let's see. Hardest part about writing a book. Hardest part about writing a book is just the paralysis that comes from staring at a blank page, knowing what you want to say, but not knowing how you're going to say it. It's a lot easier to write a podcast to know how you want to say something rather than how you want someone to read something. That's a lot more difficult because it's a lot more permanent. I can't hop on here next week and say, oh, I know I wrote that in my book, but this is what I really meant. And so there's just a lot more pressure to get things right. Um, in a book. Uh, let's see. How tall are you? Five, six. Are you answering? Says, cause it didn't have a question mark. It says, how tall are you? Five, six. I am five, six. I'm actually like five, five and three fourths. Um, but really close. Um, have I ever had Candace Cameron Bure on my podcast or would I plan to? We, I have asked her to come on the podcast. I would love for her to come on the show. Um, Thoughts on dating apps? Should I use them? I know people who have gotten married from dating apps. I don't know if they're necessarily the best place to find people. I imagine they would be really difficult places to be on. Um, I'm not saying you can't find your spouse there. I just would think it would be difficult and hard for your 
just how you see people and how you see yourself too. Um, thoughts on the Hillsong exposed documentary talked about that last year, uh, for a full episode with Megan Basham. Um, why do I think seed oils are bad? Have you talked to farmers on this? Um, seed oils just create an inflammatory response in your body from what I've heard because they are highly processed. They are not naturally occurring. Um, can I make my airport rules and Instagram highlight, please? Sure. I can try to do that. All right. Uh, let me read you our last sponsor for the day. And that is Epic Will. So the sad news is that we're all going to die one day, but it's actually not so sad because to live is Christ and to die is gain. And so we could spend eternity in heaven, but we want to make sure that after we go, our family is taken care of, especially like if you're a parent, you've got kids, you want to make sure that they are secure, as secure as possible after you go. And I know if you're in your 20s and 30s, you just think that's never going to happen. You don't need to worry about a will yet. You just never know. You don't know. Here today, gone tomorrow, things happen fast. And you just want to make sure that you're doing the responsible thing for your kids and that they're taken care of. And uh, getting a will done can be really overwhelming. Legal fees, trying to Make sure that you're doing all the right thing, going through all the paperwork. And that's why Epic Will exists. Epic Will makes it really, really easy. In as little as five minutes at $119, you can have a complete will package from Epic Will. Epic Will makes it so easy. They provide the template. You just fill in the blanks and you'll be set with a last will and testament, a living will, even healthcare power of eternity. That's what you need. And by the way, if you're a single mom, they've really got a heart for single moms at Epic Will. You've got kids under the age of 18 in your home. You can get a will totally for free. If you go to epicwill.com, you can reach out to them, tell them your situation. You can get your will for free. So go to epicwill.com slash Allie. That's A-L-L-I-E. And you'll save 10% on your complete will package. Epicwill.com slash Allie. Save 10%. Epicwill.com slash Allie. All right. Just to close us out, someone says, how are you feeling today? Um... I am, it's, it's been a rough, it's been rough recording this episode. I've had to take quite a few breaks because the lingering cough is just, um, really tough, but I appreciate you asking. And thanks again, as I said at the top, um, thanks again for all of your prayers. Um, what do you think about gentle parenting, man? There's a lot that I have to say about gentle parenting and I'm going to do a whole episode on that at some point. That's again, another one that requires a lot of, um, a lot of stuff, a lot of, uh, research to make sure that I get it right. I think there are some goods and some bads. Oh, tips for coping after breaking off my engagement because I felt God was calling us out of it. Well, you know, I always say that you should listen to that very often. I can't say every time, but very often listen to that tug, that pull, um, that tells you this relationship isn't right and calling off an engagement is like a very small price to pay. And I know it seems like a huge deal and it is a big deal. I don't want to minimize that for you. Um, but man, to be single and sad is way better than being married and sad and realizing that you didn't listen to the Holy Spirit and now you're trapped in something that was um, maybe, you know, not the right decision. Now, if you are married and you're in that situation, then you are married and there's a way to glorify God through contentment and through serving your spouse and all of that. And that's really, I'm not saying if it's an abusive situation, obviously. Um, but that's a different scenario. Breaking up, uh, 
um, breaking up an engagement is absolutely the right thing to do if you just kept on feeling that tug like this is not right. This is not right. So I'm sorry that that happened. I'm sure that, man, you are going through so much um, right now and so much uh, emotional turmoil. Know that time and the Lord will absolutely heal it and that one day you will look back, probably, I'm guessing, um, and know that you did the right thing because God was leading you in a different direction. So allow yourself to feel sad right now, but and it might not seem like things are ever going to change, but they will. Time and the Lord, they they really heal a lot. Um, all right. I'm trying to think if I... <laughs> someone just says dinosaurs. I have so many questions after I got saved, girl. We have got a whole past episode on debating whether or not dinosaurs are what is depicted to us today by paleontologists? I've got my doubts as well. I've got my doubts. How do they know what they sound like, look like? I think they're just a bunch of nerds coming together and having a good time making up stories about what they think these creatures would have looked like when really they have absolutely no idea. I'll, sh I'll show you. If we have it, I will show you a picture of a hippo skull. And like what artist just looking at the school thought that it looked like it looks like some crazy, like scary dinosaur. And really, it's a hippo skull. So that's basically all they have. All of the paleontologists just have bones. And they're just like literally making up what the scales looked like, what colors they were, what they sounded like. They literally could have been hippos. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Um, all right. That's all we've got time for today. Thanks so much for listening. Usually we wouldn't do a Q&A if you're new here on a Thursday, but this was the easiest I could do since I'm under the weather. We'll be back with our normal programming next week. Thanks so much for tuning in.